We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, August 26th. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always on Wednesdays by Mike Doria, Rotowire's managing NFL editor. How's it going today, Mike? Pretty good, pretty good, Nick. Uh, good to see you. And uh, Greg Jennings still here with us, but he's kind of our, our silent partner here on Wednesdays. The uh, the the Greg Jennings fathead in the office uh, looms large, uh, larger than he does in the Miami offense, though, probably. That is very true. And it looks like whoever put this up, I think we briefly ta- touched on the, the presence of the Greg Jennings fathead on the last podcast, decided it would be a good idea to put it over a cord hanging down. I'm not sure that was the right decision. Yeah, well, you know. A little bit of a bulge in his thigh now. Um, Doesn't look quite as good as the Prince Fielder. Representative of a quadricep issue, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I have to look into that. Devontae Parker is more of an injury concern, which we'll get into later on. But uh, take it away, Nick. All right, so we want to start with some of the top news of the day on a relatively slow news day. Uh, Thankfully, we have no wide receiver ACL tears to report. Um, But one team is dealing with a number of injuries at that position. That team is the Chicago Bears. Of course, we know Kevin White, the rookie out of West Virginia, has a stress fracture in his shin. He's out for a number of weeks. Alshon Jeffrey, day-to-day with a calf injury. Eddie Royal joins them now with a hip injury. He's also day-to-day. So is Marcus Wilson, who missed practice with a hamstring issue. 
I mean, who is left for the Bears at this point? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he started off with the uh, the Kevin White reference there, and I mean, he's he's definitely ruled out for at least the first six weeks of the season, if if not longer. And uh, I mean, there's definitely talk that he might not play at all this year, so he's he's definitely out of the equation, um, you know, at least till mid season or, or or thereabouts. But right now, the uh, the number two, three, and four guys, uh, or actually not number two, four, and three guys, but the the, the guys at the top of their depth chart, Alshon Jeffrey, the number one guy, Eddie Royal, kind of the number two guy, and, and Wilson, the number three guy, they're all banged up. They're, you know, even though they're all considered day-to-day, at this stage of the year, it does become a little worrisome. And then when you look further down that depth chart, and that, that's, that's where things get scary. It's, uh, you're looking at Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani, Rashad Lawrence, Cam Meredith. Uh, Just murderous yeah. row there of receivers. I mean, up until Eddie Royal popped up on the injury report today, I was like very you know, high on him as a, as a guy that was going to get a lot of targets in that offense. I mean, even though there's there's been some coaching changes and whatnot, um, in the absence of Brandon Marshall um, and obviously White's injury, Royal was starting to creep up the boards in in, uh, in terms of ADP, and I just like him as a sleeper. Um, <laughs> he has that knack to get the, uh, the those random two touchdown games as well. I believe he's had uh, 15 touchdowns over the last two years. And uh, he's back with Cutler, who he enjoyed some success with while they were both with the Broncos. So hopefully that's not a big deal. Uh, they're calling it day-to-day, but definitely something to monitor for all three of those guys, Jeffrey, Royal, and Wilson. If you ask me to name receivers who've had 15 touchdowns over the last two years, I think Eddie Royal would be probably the last guy that I would ever think of. Yeah, you, you forget about that. But uh, th- then you look at his game log, and it's largely due to the occasional two-game TD outbursts. It's not like a... He's a steady TD guy overall, but it's it's interesting that people just wouldn't even consider him as that kind of player. But you look at the numbers, and and they're there. You mentioned him and Cutler played together back in the day for the Broncos. They're a team that is going through a transition at the position that we always like to talk about, kicker. Um, <laughs> Connor Barth was released this morning. He, it sounds like, was struggling more as a kickoff guy uh, than a field goal guy. Um, the biggest issue there, I guess, was the hang time on his kickoffs. The Seahawks had a couple long returns um, against him in the preseason, and McManus was just basically doing a better job there and was doing well enough from a field goal perspective that they felt comfortable with him going forward. Um, do you have any insight on this? Are you the Rotowire resident kicker expert? <laughs> Not exactly, but, uh, I mean, anytime um, you're a kicker that, that – you know, is working behind a, a, a decent offense, and I would I would definitely consider the the Broncos' offense more than decent. So, um, the fact that McManus has has taken over that job, I mean, it puts him in definitely on the fantasy radar. He's easily one of the top twelve kickers in terms of fantasy as long as he retains the job. But I think the the main thing here was that he he's far superior on the kickoffs. Um, he ranked fourth in the NFL in touchback percentage last year. And they just didn't want to, you know, burn two roster spots at the kicking position. So even though Barth uh, looked good last year, you know, making 15 to 16 attempts with the Broncos, um, evidently McManus has been looking good. And then today's reports were that he was he was he was killing in in practice today. And uh, you know, as far as far as kickers go, killing it in practice, I just don't even imagine what that is like. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> McManus, like you said. Um, much better as a kickoff guy, fourth in the NFL in touchback percentage last season, um, and 15 of 16 uh, were, were touchbacks in 2014. So a pretty solid option there. I mean, obviously not huge news from a fantasy perspective, but this is basically a, hey, be aware if Connor Barth is still you know sitting up there in some older rankings that you're using, make sure to knock him off. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not everybody can get uh, New England's Gostkowski as their kicker. And, uh, you know, uh, you always just want to look at the, the the offenses that you think might be productive. Uh, the altitude tends to help the kickers, uh, you know, in Denver when they're playing at home. So he's definitely on the radar. Yeah, I was actually talking with DVR on the podcast on Monday, and I was mentioning that I was wearing my Jaguars hat at a bar downtown. You might be familiar with Chasers um, um, in Madison. I've, Probably I've, not a bar you go to too often. No, I've walked by. Um, <laughs> And I was approached by, a, well, apparently, somebody who was purporting to be a fellow Jaguars fan who told me that he has a Josh Scobie jersey. Wow. So I thought I was a Jaguars fan, but apparently discounted. not. Speaking of fatheads, I wonder, I wonder how much the ex-Jaguars go for on, in the sales section of, of fatheads, which is a, actually a great time and place to get your fatheads when guys leave teams or are mm-hmm. released or traded. You don't see a lot of Jaguars fatheads these days. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what players would even be on there. If I handed you sale. ninety bucks, like which Jaguars fathead would you would you get? And this is another thing I was talking to Derek about. I've been wanting to get a new Jaguars jersey for years, but like there hasn't been a player that I'm comfortable buying that I think is a going to be good enough where it's a cool jersey to have, and b going to be there long enough that you know it's worth buying. It would it, Scobie's up there. Um, I mean, TJ Yeldon at this point. Yeah, I wonder probably, if Maurice Jones drew fat heads are, yeah. are on sale by now. Rasheen and, Mathis, maybe. He, he was he was a nice player for them for a number of years. But yeah, did you just say Yeldon? I think I think mm-hmm. that's your guy. If you, I think if so. You were going for the full price Jaguars fathead. Yep. I think that's that's the guy. It would have been Justin Blackman, but we we won't touch on that. Um, another receiver, Devontae Parker. Not sure he's going to be ready for Week One. Another rookie there. He's out of Louisville. High first round pick of the Dolphins. Sounds like he's nearing a return to practice, but are they just being really cautious with him? Well, I mean, they, they have a, a decent amount of depth there, um, Stills and Landry, and, and as we mentioned, Jennings. So they, they can afford to not rush him back. I mean, it's a foot issue, and you definitely don't want to you know, rush a guy with that sort of injury because that, it can linger if, it's, uh, if, if the player is rushed back. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, today's report was that it, it appears as though he's getting close to practice. He was spotted on the field in full pads, but he didn't participate in the practice. Yet, uh, you know, earlier in the day, he acknowledged, I mean, um, Parker, that is, acknowledged that he's not sure that he's going to be ready for week one. So I do think that he is going to provide some value for fantasy owners this year, but definitely don't count on him for the first few weeks of the season. All right, the Patriots, uh, a team we've talked about a lot in conjunction with Tom Brady. We'll finally get away from that talk. Uh, They signed Reggie Wayne earlier this week. I think that was Monday night that news officially came through. Uh, Tuesday, everything seemed to be finalized. So Reggie Wayne is a member of the New England Patriots. What does this mean for Brandon LaFell? Well, you know, the Patriots and their injury reporting, you know, they, they, they treat their injuries like uh, state secrets at times. And, um, and for, a lo- for the longest while, I, I wasn't extremely concerned with the, the status of either Edelman or LaFell. Uh, and Edelman did return to uh, practice uh, yesterday on a limited basis. There's been some chatter that uh, he's not guaranteeing that he's going to be ready for the start of the season, but I, I just think that he was playing around with the media a little bit. I think that he's probably going to be fine for week one. But LaFell, we just haven't seen him on the field this summer um, or you know, in training camp, and it's, it's, he's on the PUP list, and there's just no buzz about him coming back in short order. And at first when they signed Wayne, I thought, well, you know, Brandon Gibson and landed, had, had landed on IR and, and Brian Timms. Um, was also injured. I just thought it might be a, a, a savvy depth move, but now I'm starting to wonder if, if uh, there's legitimate concern about LaFell's status. And um, I mean, they're, 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 they're not really talking about it, you know. Uh, so you just have to uh, keep a very close eye on that situation. And then if LaFell is forced to miss any time, then, um, you know, Amendola and Wayne uh, could see extra looks. And uh, I mean, it's unrealistic to, to expect Wayne to. Uh, you know, match his production, um, you know, from his heyday, but he could even match what he did last year with the Colts, and that's probably enough to help out people in deeper leagues at, the, at a minimum. Yeah, I wanted to ask you as a Patriots guy, like, how excited were you about this signing? Mean, he comes in at age 36. Obviously, the upside is relatively low, but, you know, great route runner, a guy who's going to be a good locker room presence. He's going to know the playbook. There's not going to be any issues there as far as adjustment, you would think, especially with the organization that he's going to. But, I mean, what is Reggie Wayne's upside? Like we well, said, coming off of surgery – um and just so you know at the back end of his career you know they they have all the injuries at, at wide out right now um again you know two guys on ir tim's tim's landed landed on ir as well so they they were looking for some depth but uh players like josh boyce and, and aaron dobson have have had trouble either staying healthy or, or or with drops in the past so i mean with reggie wayne you get a guy who can run you know gets open catches the ball He's not going to be a faster, explosive player, but I think when they they need someone to help move the chains, and and you know Gronk's being double covered, uh, or or Edelman, you know they're paying, focusing on him, then um, you know Wayne can run ten yards and, and catch a Brady pass, and uh, they got a first down. Um, I mean the the Patriots, I, I mentioned this before on this podcast, their coaching staff um, as, as a whole, particularly Belichick. The, the strong point that they they uh, they seem to um, enjoy year after year is that they just have a knack of putting players in a position to succeed. So they're not going to put what Reggie Wayne in a go long Reggie and pretend it's uh, 2004. Uh, but uh, I I don't know. I think if he um, 
stays healthy, he's he's a 50 or 60 catch potential guy. Yeah, I just read today that he'll be wearing number 15 for yep. those of you who care about jersey numbers. Yeah, I think there's a certain number 87 on the yeah, roster that's, already. Uh, <laughs> that might be a little uh, tough to supplant. So it is going to be a little jarring to see Reggie Wayne wearing the number 15, but uh, – yeah, Gronk's probably not giving that up anytime soon. No, I don't think so. Is. It's a little even more jarring that they didn't retire 15 for Ryan Mallett. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, so we want to talk about the Broncos running back situation, uh, the final you know, slightly larger news item of the day. Uh, we know C.J. Anderson's the number one running back there. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second, but reports out of Denver on Wednesday indicating Ronnie Hillman has now passed Monty Ball as the number two running yeah, back there. If, if you look at their official posted depth chart, it doesn't reflect that. But, uh, you know, the, the reports are that uh, Hillman is kind of seeing the number two reps. Um, I don't know exactly what to make of that other than let's just you know, remember clearly that C.J. Anderson is the guy and he's the undisputed guy. Um, whereas Hillman, I believe, no, no matter what, he's going to be part of the passing game. Uh, so I still think that in the event of a C.J. Anderson injury, Hillman might just kind of stay into that into that change of pace uh, passing back role where Ball might be, you know, the early down guy. But, uh, you know, people forget about Hillman, but he's still around. And, uh, I mean, Ball, you know, he, uh, he a lot of buzz about him going into last season. And, yeah, uh, he's not even guaranteed to be the second guy now, I guess. Yeah, is this opportunity in Denver – I mean, I guess has he missed his chance only playing in five games last season with with multiple injuries, and then you know C.J. Anderson emerges over the final eight games, and I mean, do you really see Monty Ball kind of reasserting himself in Denver? Or is it going to take a change of scenery? Well, no. Nah, I mean, I think it's just, it's going to be an injury thing. I mean, the last couple of years, the Broncos' uh, backfield carries and 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 you know who who was the lead back was largely dictated by injuries. So that's I'm sure that he'll get a chance at some point this year. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely has a lot to prove now. And Anderson's the uh, the guy. And, uh, you know, you look at his ADP, and I think a lot of people are believing in him. Yeah, I wanted to ask you how much you like him. Um, was, it, was that half season of production, you know, 96 yards a game over the final eight games, really not much production at all before that. Was that enough to really sell you on him for 2015? Well, he, he definitely passed the eye test. Um, I liked what I saw. And, you know, the coaches have been pretty consistent about him being the guy this year and they're not really auditioning you know Hillman or Ball for that top position so as long as he can stay healthy and um, maintain a level of productivity he's going to keep that job right and it looked like last season you know when he got the opportunities the yardage was going to be there Um, you know over those final eight games the only time he was under 50 yards was a game when he only had nine carries so you know you look at a season-long uh, yards per carry average of only 4.7 but if you take out the first eight games of the year I mean that skyrockets so yeah like you said the numbers are there he passes the eye test we'll just see if he can do it over a full season yeah I mean uh, they lost their top tight end but um, you know that that's still you know whether or not uh, Peyton Manning can feel his fingertips or not you know there's there's still uh, still a pretty potent passing game with Demarius Thomas Emmanuel Sanders so it, he he's definitely in an offense where the uh the defenses can't really, you know, stack the box that much. All right, go through a couple quick hitters here, just some minor um, injury news, mostly a lot of training camp practice notes. Percy Harvin was back on the field in Tuesday's practice for the first time since getting a platelet-rich plasma injection earlier in the month. Um, any really news there on Percy Harvin? Is this just same old, same old? Hopefully he plays. We don't know. Yeah, you know, and you look back at his, uh, you know, his, his stats for the last couple of years. Um, I mean, he really dropped off after 2012 and just the whole, is he going to play? Is he not going to play thing? Plus he's in an offense and we, you know, we've perhaps belabored the point of the, uh, the Bills starting QB quandary, but it's just a little hard to, to back um, anyone other than Sammy Watkins. Uh, as a reliable fantasy option. I mean, there's 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 other, you know, options like Robert Woods and even even Charles Clay uh, in that passing offense. But as exciting as Harvin can be occasionally, it's just going to be tough to count on him to A, stay on the field, and then B, provide reliable fantasy production. I'm just I'm just not feeling it this year. Somebody, If he falls really far in a draft, I might roll the dice, but I'm, I'm not going to uh, chase his prime numbers early. He's almost getting into like Ted Ginn Jr. territory for me. You know, another guy who is you know a high draft pick came in with a ton of hype, a versatile guy playing at a big school that did a bunch at the college level. 
got to the NFL and it, it just wasn't the same. And obviously for Harvin, it's been a little bit more injury related than it has for Ginn. But, you know, he's one of those guys, if, you know, he gets traded, another team picks him up, you always get excited, there's some hype, and then he just hasn't really been able to deliver on that. I mean, you think back to what he did in college, um, early on in his career with the Vikings, he, he showed a lot of potential, but it just hasn't been there the last couple of years. So a lot, he has a lot to prove. And, um, you know, guys, players like that, um, you know, they, they, it, their success relies on them staying healthy. And uh, he's just had trouble doing that of late. And I, I wonder if the, you know, cumulative toll of all the injuries might start, um, you know, slowing him down. Charles Clay, another Buffalo Bill, left practice with a nagging knee injury. He said he was fine. Um, I think this is noteworthy maybe just because he kind of dealt with that same nagging knee injury all of last season, although he did end up playing in 14 games. Yeah, I mean, I, I do the, the NFL injury report, um, every, you know, for the AFC, for the, for the site, and, yeah, he was constantly on it. And like you said, he generally played through it. But it's just a little bit of a red flag that, it, that he had a similar nagging injury last year, and now it's popped up again. They're, they're completely downplaying it. But the Bills, you know, they spend a lot of money on his contract. They, they must feel good about his knee. But I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the next few days. I think, uh, I think he may even play in the, their next preseason game. So it can't be viewed as like a major issue, but definitely something to consider and keep an eye on there. Johnny Menzel has been out for the last couple of days for the Browns with a sore elbow. They're hopeful he'll be ready for week three of the preseason. There's some reports coming out this afternoon that says, you know, Menzel probably won't be ready to face the Bucks this weekend. Um, obviously, that hurts his bid to win the starting job. Did he yeah. ever really have much of a chance for you, though? He might have. You know, if, if, if McCown had looked terrible and he looked great. Uh, I mean, Menzel actually has shown, you know, some, um, some flashes during the preseason. But McCown's kind of – he's held up his end of the bargain – to the point where Manziel can't really be considered a contender for that job right now. So it's up to him to just get healthy and be, be available if anything happens to McCown down the road. Um, and if, if that does happen, well, there, there is actually some intriguing fantasy upside there, for sure, because of his mobility and all that. Another mobile quarterback, Mike Vick, signed with the Steelers on Tuesday. Um, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is still the guy there. They had a couple of injuries in the preseason. Bruce Gradkowski went down, Landry Jones I believe went down. They, I think three quarterbacks between the Packers and Steelers ended up leaving that game. Tolzien for the yeah, Packers. Yeah, well, being Greg Kowski landed on IR, and I guess he was, you know, essentially penciled in as the number two guy. And I, I, I just feel like Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff would prefer not to uh, have to, you know, rely on Landry Jones in the event of a Roethlisberger injury. Um, there's, there's definitely been some years where Roethlisberger has, you know, missed a couple games, three games here and there. But he has played in, in 16 games the last two years, to his credit. Um, but I do think if something happens to him, I mean, Michael Vick, who obviously has injury concerns of his own, you know, he, with his inability to stay on the field for lengthy periods of time, could be at least a, a decent plug in there for a couple of weeks if anything happened to Roethlisberger. Obviously, he's not as mobile as he once was, but, uh, you know, he's got the experience, and that is a dynamic uh, passing offense, uh, you know, with some of their weapons. So if he did get, you know, a couple of spot starts here and there, it would be intriguing in, in, in you know, in DraftKings and in, in, in daily formats and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm still not ready to draft him. Right. Intriguing is the perfect word for to describe Michael Vick here. Not much here. You know, unless Big Ben gets hurt, then things become very intriguing. TJ Yeldon expected to make his preseason debut week three, this Friday against Detroit, he sat out the first two games. It sounded like Jacksonville was just being really cautious with the rookie. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be the number one option. Toby Gerhardt, who's ran fairly well. The numbers don't necessarily show it. Uh, but he's looked good through two preseason games. He's not going to play on Friday with an ab strain. Um, so that leaves Yeldon and Denard Robinson as the two primary backs that we're going to see against that Detroit front line. Yeah, I think uh, this is the week where, like, people either, like, start going crazy and, and – reaching high for Yeldon or if he doesn't uh you know have a great performance in his debut the uh you know he might fall a little bit in his ADP so it's it is going to be an interesting um um effort you know because we're finally going to get that visual on him and he's definitely one of the top options at his position as a rookie I mean most of the uh, the hype goes to Gordon and Gurley but uh you know for fra for, for practical purposes I think Yeldon is going to be one of the most valuable uh rookies um just in general 
Yeah, and talking about that Gerhardt injury, it doesn't look like it's going to be anything serious. You know, just, you know, it's the preseason, so if it's a regular season game, who knows if he's actually going to be held out. But, you know, this backup running back situation for Jacksonville is probably something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, we saw a couple times last year where Denard Robinson ended up putting up some nice fantasy numbers, but you know, half the time you just didn't know who was going to get the carries. Right. You know, Gerhardt started the season as the go-to guy. Pretty much by week three or four, it was it could be anybody. And Jordan Tobin snuck his way in there. Storm Johnson snuck his way in there. Um, they have Bernard Pierce now. Basically, it's going to be Yeldon's job. Unless Yeldon gets hurt, after that, things could be very messy if the rookie out right. of Alabama and doesn't and get hurt. And don't you think maybe point. Robinson might get a piece of the pie in terms I of think like so too. change of pace? And then there's even talk that Gerhardt, if he, if he gets healthy or, you know, gets over his current minor issue, could even factor in, uh, you know, as a goal line guy with his size. Yeah, yeah. I think, like I said, Yellen will be the guy, but it's not going to be, you know, and he's not going to get 95% of the carries. You know, they're still going to make sure that they work Denard Robinson in there as a little bit of a change of pace, kind of more of a scat back than than TJ Yeldon, who can, you know, does have some agility. You know, he's not going to be Eddie Lacy, but he's also a little bit more of a north-south runner than Denard Robinson. Junior Gallette tore his Achilles. Um, this is just an odd situation. I don't know if you saw the Twitter rant that he went on uh, that, that's been making its rounds around the internet today. No. Um, probably not anything we want to touch on on the family-friendly road yeah, aware well, you know, fantasy like, football podcast. Let's just podcast. focus on the football aspect um, of it. You know, the, the guy had 22 sacks over the last uh, two years combined with the Saints. So, you know, he was, he was trying to, um, you know, reestablish his career, you know, after some off-field concerns in Washington. And, um, you know, that's a tough injury for him, and it's, it's a big blow to, the, to uh, Washington's pass rush, obviously. Uh, Devin Funches, a guy we've talked about a lot, obviously in conjunction with the Calvin Benjamin injury. He's been ramping up his practice activity. Uh, the Panthers want to see how he reacts to the added workload before they decide if he's going to play Friday against the Patriots. Um, I mean, does it really matter at this point if he gets on the field, or are you just concerned that he's healthy for week one? Well, I mean, I think that uh, he, he needs to get some, uh, some, some quality reps in you know, for his confidence level and for the Panthers to get get a read on on, on him, you know, where he is at this stage. I, I, I know that they expected him to be a, a pretty major component of their offense, but they probably didn't expect to have him end up being the go-to guy. And, uh, you know, they just have to see how ready he is. And then from a fantasy perspective, uh, we want to see how he looks out there. And, um, I mean, he's definitely an, an intriguing prospect you know with with his size and and everything like that so while I don't think that he's going to duplicate Benjamin's success from last year he's definitely on the radar now that Benjamin is uh, out for the year Manuel Sanders remains out for the Broncos Uh, new coach Gary Kubiak said that the team is quote hopeful that Sanders will be able to practice on Friday he has a hamstring injury Um, you know it doesn't sound like an issue that's going to linger too far into the regular season if that Um, I just want to ask you do you think Emmanuel Sanders could come anywhere close to replicating the production we saw last year. 101 catches, over 1,400 yards, and nine touchdowns. Well, I mean, you see that uh, I believe Demarius Thomas probably led the league in targets um, last year, and Sanders ended up with 101 catches. So there's definitely, um, you know, when Peyton Manning is the quarterback, there's def- if you're a starting receiver in a Peyton Manning-helmed offense, there's definitely going to be plenty of passes coming your way. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough to, like, match that production in terms of, you know, how well he performed in PPR formats. But, yeah, I think the, the main concern for him is to to get healthy, and that's, you know, a lingering hamstring issue isn't always the best thing to, you know, be talking about at this time of the year. Um, it's been a while. He's been he's been dealing with it off and on this month, and, um, you know, there's talk that he's going to practice by Friday, so... Uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get him out back out there soon, and then you know there's not going to be that question mark attached to him because he's he's obvious you know deservedly pretty high on the uh, the wideout draft board. Todd Gurley was cleared to participate in seven on seven and eleven on eleven work on Wednesday. He obviously coming back from that torn ACL he suffered last fall while at Georgia. Um, still wearing the yellow no contact beanie, still not being hit obviously is what that means. At what point are we going to see him on an NFL field? Well, that's that's a good question, and you know, there's varying answers to that. I believe that, I mean, it's 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 possible that he'll be active in Week One, um, although it wouldn't surprise me if he was inactive. But even if he is, you know, among not among the um, the Rams inactives the first couple of weeks, I just don't think they're going to rush him back. Um, in terms of when he might start playing, 
I, I'll just throw out maybe week four. He might start, you know, getting some carries. And then by mid-season, yeah, by mid-season, he's going to take over unless somehow Trey Mason has just performed so well that the job can't be taken away from him. But that'll, that'll just cut Todd Gurley if Trey Mason gets off to a yeah, hot start, I'm uh, sure. Just, they, uh, it's kind of like a, a uh, Jacksonville Jaguars number 10 overall pick, you know. If you have a draft coming up, how do you target Trey Mason? Um, you know, a guy like we're talking right now, we don't know when we're going to see Gurley. We could see him in week one. We could not see him until week nine. You know, who knows? I mean, do you have to handcuff Trey Mason with Todd Gurley, or can you kind of grab Mason in a later round as just a, a four- to five-week rental? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I approach uh, a player like Mason. And, you know, D'Angelo Williams of Pittsburgh is going to get a couple starts while, while Bell is suspended. Looks like Jonas Gray is going to get a, get one start w- with Blunt. So those are we know for sure that those guys are going to get starts early on, whereas Trey Mason, we think that's probably the case. It could go anywhere from... I mean, his his window of utility could be zero weeks up to you know as many as eight. So you know, and um, you don't want to like draft him as a number two RB, obviously, and probably not even number three. But you know, there there is value in a guy who's going to probably get some starts out of the gate. And um, you know, people might get all excited about Tevin Coleman, you know, a player like him. But early on. Mason probably has more value, although later on I, I, I'd be shocked if Coleman didn't, uh, you know, supplant him, you know, in our rankings down the, you know, by midseason at least. Yeah, I think everybody's been impressed with Coleman so far. Final quick hit, Jace Amaro of the Jets, still having pain in his shoulder, sprained that earlier in the offseason, sounding like he might end up missing regular season time. I don't think that's what the team expected initially, but he's been slow to heal. Um, you know, how big of a blow is this for New York? I mean, I, I like Amaro. Uh, thought that he that you know he had a chance to break through this year um you know even in the context of that offense or maybe especially in the context of that offense with uh you know, Fitzpatrick uh gonna be starting early on needing a safety blanket there but yeah I mean at best you can draft him as a you know second tight end as a stash and then in daily formats once he starts uh you know getting into the rhythm he might be a, a useful option but probably not a top-tier one um, this year in that offense. Football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. You can win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015. Also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head over to DraftKings now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter RotoWire for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That is DraftKings.com. All right, so Mel Kuyper Jr. released his top 12 fantasy rookies last week. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't usually associate Mel Kuyper Jr. with the, uh, the fantasy no, you analysis. Don't. So it was kind of, that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to see what Kuyper says here. And it actually largely made sense. It, it is a nice little handy list, although I think he missed the boat on um, you know, he, he put out his top 12, and I think that there's a few guys that he kind of overlooked, and we can we can go over that a little bit. But uh, what's your take on uh, some of his ranks there? Well, we'll start with number one right away, and that's Melvin Gordon, probably the guy who's number one on most lists. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the of, of most running backs here, other not named Todd Gurley, the clearest path to being the number right. one we've, guy. We've seen his um, his value or perceived value fluctuate a lot in the last few weeks. You know, like a, before the preseason. I was seeing him go as high as the second round, you know, late second round, early third round. Um, after that one game where he didn't look that great, um, <laughs> suddenly his ADP went down to, you know, started seeing him go in the late fourth, early fifth. Uh, I, I think that this uh, third week of the preseason, which is obviously the dress rehearsal week for most teams there, is going to be pivotal for him in terms of what sort of buzz that he generates you know, in the last couple of weeks of drafting here um, in advance of week one. But, yeah, you, as you mentioned, he's got the the clearest path to carries. Uh, you know, in the long term, keep your formats. Yeah, Gurley's the guy. But uh, Melvin Gordon, good offense, plenty of carries. The only thing to, to note maybe is that he's probably not going to see that much action in the passing game with Danny Woodhead back and, and healthy. 
Right, and they still have Brandon Oliver running around back there too. I mean, how much of a concern is it that those guys are kind of going to encroach on not only the passing game, but you know, maybe even some third downs, some third and shorts where you know, they're going to try to throw the defense off by putting those guys in yeah, there, and they not, end up getting the ball. Not too worried about Brandon Oliver, but yeah, uh, the uh, the Woodhead factor, you know, takes away some, you know, PPR utility there. But, I mean, they, they drafted in the first round for a reason, to replace Ryan Matthews, who at times looked great in that offense, but had trouble staying on the field. And they're, they're just hoping that the guy who uh, carried 343 times for Wisconsin last year can, uh, you know, you know, be that bell cow guy that uh, they they don't have to worry about being you know healthy or banged up. You know, he's obviously got the fresh legs there. So you know, Kuiper's saying that uh, you know he thinks that uh, 220 to 250 carries are possible for Gordon, and I, I don't disagree with that really. Right, and there are kind of two ways to look at how much Gordon carried the ball last year. I mean, there's you know kind of two debates that have gone on about this and go on with a lot of rookie running backs. Is you know he had such a heavy workload as a college back. Um, you know that that's just credence that he can handle it at the NFL level whereas yeah. you can also look at it as oh he, he already has so much tread on the tires you know if he had that many carries at the NFL level I would be obviously highly concerned but uh, you know I, I saw enough of Melvin Gordon last year to know that many of those carries uh, were just uh, you know untouched yeah <laughs> he didn't he Purdue's didn't, of the world the Indiana's yeah, of the world yeah uh, those 343 carries, a lot of them were were not high impact. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw him play plenty. Do you, do you think that that's not a valid point there? No, it definitely is. I mean, I, I don't have any numbers on, you know, what as far as how many of those carries, you know, was he hit hard or anything like that. But, I mean, you know, he, he was a guy who would approach the line, go off tackle, and, and it, you know, he wasn't just burrowing in and, and shouldering defenders and, and vice versa, you know, getting hit hard as much as that's a lot of backs were. So I think that is a good point. And yeah, and you, you think of a, you know, let's stay in Wisconsin here for a second. You think of a guy like Eddie Lacy, and he just invites punishment. Uh, either he wants to inflict it on defenders or he'll absorb it and just keep on rolling through, you know, the defense. But, the, you know, it takes its toll on a, on a guy like him. Uh, you know, obviously he can handle it, but uh, Melvin Gordon did not have such a, uh, you know, he didn't absorb that kind of punishment. And I mean, he's going to this year, and that's why, he's not going to have 343 carries uh, in a Chargers uniform. Exactly. Number two and three on Kuyper's list, both receivers, Amari Cooper, number two, Nelson Aguilar for the Philadelphia Eagles, number three. Um, you know, Last season, we saw two rookie receivers jump into the top 15 in targets. Um, and it just seems like there's so many emerging stars at that position over the last few years. And it just, guys just aren't taking a couple years to adjust like it seemed like maybe more in the past. Yeah, I mean, previously the mantra was, you know, stay away from rookie receivers, don't overvalue them. Um, and, and in general, that's a good approach. But uh, Amari Cooper definitely steps into a, you know, a situation where he's being counted on to be their top target. Um, and they have a quarterback uh, in Derek Carr that, uh, you know, one would hope is ascending. Um, and he's, you know, he's got the talent, obviously. He's a, he's a great route runner you know as, as NFL ready as as, as a college uh, wideout gets and he's got the good you know run after the catch ability so yeah I mean uh, he, he's definitely I can't say that he's going to be a top 15 guy but you know I like him in the uh, 20 to 25 range in terms of wideouts and you know that that means in most leagues you're looking at you know solid number two receiver how big of a gap is there between Cooper and Aguilar for you well, I just think that, um, you know, in terms of targets, the, the focus on, in the Raiders' offense is going to be much more on Cooper, so that benefits him. I mean, Aguilar has, has, has got – essentially he's being counted on to replace Jeremy Macklin, who, you know, if you look at the targets last year, he, he, he racked up plenty, um, even though Jordan Matthews is, Matthews is around. Um, I, I do think that, you know, they might spread the ball around a little bit in Philly, but uh, there's going to be plenty for him. Um, I mean, I'm still thinking about that run and catch play that he made, in the, you know, early on in the preseason, and um, he he just looks a lot like a young, healthy Jeremy Macklin. So, if you're looking for what you know his ceiling is, just look at what Macklin did last year, because I don't think anyone's really threatening him in that role. It's going to be him and Matthews as the top two guys, I believe. Right, and it's kind of that debate between. You know, Cooper's probably the better player. He came in, he was a higher draft pick, but just just an overall better prospect, but he's in a worse offense. So, you know, it's kind of that debate of would you take the more talented guy who maybe has more upside as an individual talent, 
Or do you take the guy who's in a little bit of better system and might not be quite the physical talent that Amari Cooper is? I just is? think that Amari Cooper is just going to get the volume. Yeah. Like the reliable weekly volume is going to be his, whereas Aguilar is going to be more of a, you know, he'll break some big plays and, and whatnot, but uh, there will be weeks that he doesn't rack up lots of stats either. Numbers four and five on the list, Todd Gurley, TJ Yeldon, two guys we already talked about. Um, you get down to six, and we have another receiver, Philip Dorsett, Indianapolis, a guy who was drafted at the end of the first round. Um, T.Y. Hilton and Andre Johnson are there. They still have Dante Moncrief. But, I mean, Philip Dorsett's as much of a burner as it gets. Is his big playability really too much to ignore in fantasy formats? I feel like uh, Philip Dorsett is a little bit like Devontae Adams was before the Jordy Nelson injury. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he's really good, but he's blocked by, you know, some very talented guys ahead of him. So I think, you know, to start the season, the – Colts are going to find a way to like use his ability to go deep and get open, but it's going to be tough to count on him early on with the with the players that you mentioned. Um, I was a little bit surprised, um, you know, like when when they drafted him, it almost seemed like yeah, they might not end up paying Ty Hilton, and this guy was kind of like insurance for Hilton. But they uh, they they signed Hilton to the big contract, and like you said, Johnson and Moncrief are around. Uh, I mean. In this NFL, it never hurts to have great depth at wideout, and the Packers found out the hard way uh, with the Nelson injury, and and the, and the Patriots are, are dealing with uh, the, the situations that we were talking about. So you know, while it looks like a, a very crowded and unfriendly situation in terms of targets for Dorsett right now, the talent is there if he gets the opportunity. I mean, that's you know, Andrew Luck is the quarterback, and uh, yeah. It, I, I just don't think that he's going to be you know very valuable for fantasy owners early on, but down the road, one two injuries down, and uh, yeah, he's he's going to he's going to be a great value. Another guy is in somewhat of a similar situation is Devonte Parker, who we already touched on as um, he continues to recover down in Miami. Crowded group of receivers there for the Dolphins: Stills, Jennings, Jarvis Landry is involved. Um, I mean, I, I guess I kind of ask you the same question I asked about um, Amari Cooper and Nelson Aguilar. How big of a gap is there between Dorset and Parker? And you know, do you agree with these rankings? I guess. Um, well, actually, I do think that Devontae Parker is is going to be more valuable right away, and and you know, at least in his first NFL season, he does have to get past the foot issues. Um, and like you mentioned, he, there's there's at least three other viable wideout weapons in the Miami offense. It's kind of you know the similar situation with Dorset, although uh, I do believe that the uh, the Colts assembly of receivers, the top three, is probably a little bit, um, you know, more reliable than um, the Dolphins. But yeah, I mean, um, the foot injury is a concern. So you, you get to that point where, like, before there was concern that Parker was going to miss um, time early on, people were sort of overreaching for him. You know, you know, getting excited about the highly drafted rookie, and now you know the with a concern about the foot injury, he's really been dropping and, and turning into a bit of a nice value there. As long as you understand that you may not get the production, you know, right out of the gate. All right. Number eight on the list. And we're going to number nine right away too. a pair of running backs, Amir Abdullah of Detroit, Kevin, excuse me, Tevin Coleman, not Kevin Coleman uh, of Atlanta. Which of these guys do you like better? I mean, I, I love Abdullah, especially in uh, PPR formats. I mean, Drake Bell is still, you know, rounding into health but you know from all indications he's he's not going to immediately give up the uh, the starting job in Detroit so I mean Abdullah is going to uh be valuable in PPR formats right away uh but you know if he ends up uh getting some carries and doing better than Bell and and Theo Riddick then yeah he could uh, assume a larger role I, 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 I definitely think that immediately he's more useful like he's going to be part of the offense from week one it's just a question of how much is he restricted to change of pace duty? Uh, and that obviously hinges on Bell's health. Whereas Tevin Coleman, um, I, I mentioned him earlier in this podcast in, in the context of Trey Mason in that, like, overall, I prefer Tevin Coleman. But early on, I prefer Trey Mason just because of opportunity. Um, Coleman is going to start the season in a, a timeshare that's probably going to be tilted in uh, the favor of Devontae Freeman. Um, it wouldn't surprise me as time passes that Coleman ends up flipping that around, but we're talking about either a Freeman injury or you got to wait till midseason before Coleman is really 
a guy that you're going to plug into your your lineup. Um, but yeah, once once that happens, I do like him. But you know, Abdullah right away, he's uh, he's a viable flex play, and again, PPR relevant right away. All right, the final three guys on the list: two receivers and a tight end, Devin Funchess, Tyler Lockett, and Max Williams. Um, you know, we've talked about Funchess at length, like we said earlier. Um, obviously, he's thrust into a much bigger role than people were probably expecting with Benjamin going down. Um, Tyler Lockett is kind of an interesting addition to this list to me. Um, yeah, a guy who comes out of Kansas State, a very productive college career, but he joins a depth chart uh, and a receiving depth chart that's really just kind of been, I don't, I don't know, just been average, I guess, for Seattle over the last couple of years. That's one of the positions that they just really haven't addressed, and I guess they haven't needed to address because you know they've been yeah. back, they've been to back to back back to back Super Bowls, and they have a running quarterback, and they have a you know obviously a a, a running back that's going to you know absorb a lot of carries, uh, be used in close and. Um, they just haven't really had to rely that much on their wideouts, so it hasn't been really a fantasy goldmine. But I mean, Lockett definitely has the talent. Um, you know, it's got speed, run up, run after the catch kind of guy. Um, definitely a player to keep an eye on, but I'm not really counting on him being a valuable fantasy performer, um, at least in the context of that offense. And um, like the uh, the last guy on Kuiper's list is Max Williams. Obviously, they need to do something to replace the. Uh, the production of Owen Daniels and you know Dennis Pitta, you can't really count on him for anything this year. So yeah, I mean there's 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 some intrigue there with him, um, and and guys that he left off the the list, uh, Brashad Perriman, um, Max Williams' teammate. Um, it's kind of interesting that um, the Ravens are are counting so heavily on two rookies, but you know Perriman. I, I'm surprised that Perriman didn't make Kuiper's list. Uh, I believe Kuiper's from Baltimore. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't want to appear to be a homer. I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, Perriman, you know, once he's healthy, they're, they're pretty much counting on him to, uh, you know, step into the Torrey Smith role, you know, deep threat, you know, enough size to be a, a red zone threat as well. Um, sticking with the, uh, the Ravens, uh, Javorius Allen. Um, I, this, this list came out before the uh, Lorenzo Taliaferro injury, to be fair. Uh, I believe Taliaferro is going to miss two or three weeks. So Allen has a chance to kind of step in as um, as uh, Justin Forsett's top back backup to start the season, and uh, so that obviously puts him an injury, just an injury away from fantasy relevance. And you know, a lot of people like what he brings to the table, and I think he's definitely a sleeper, late round dart, dart target for sure. Uh, and then the last two guys that, that I'll mention here that that that, that Kuiper didn't list in his top twelve, David Cobb. There's been plenty of buzz about him, maybe supplanting Bishop Sankey, although Sankey kind of turned the tables on that um, in his, you know, this last weekend by running six times for 45 yards while Cobb ran eight times for 26 yards. So we were, we were pretty much ready to give up on uh, Sankey, you know, a, lo- a lot of people were any, anyway, and um, pretty much ready to hand it to Cobb. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how it looks, uh, you know, in the, in the dress rehearsal. But it looks like Sankey may be clinging to that job, at least for now. And last but not least... Uh, Ty Montgomery, um, and this this article was penned before the Jordy Nelson injury, so it's understandable that he wasn't on the list. But obviously now that Montgomery kind of pens- is penciled in as the Packers' number three receiver, um, you know, there's there's definitely value there, like short term, because it's such a productive passing offense, and then long term, if anything happens to either Randall Cobb or Devonte Adams. Right. I, I do like Ty Montgomery to kind of be, he's kind of a blend of, in a poor man's way, of course, Randall Cobb and Devonta Adams. You know, he's, he's, he's fast like Randall Cobb. He's elusive, but he's, he's got a bigger build. You know, he's bigger than a lot of guys, than a lot of people thought, I think, coming out. You know, he's, yeah. he's billed as that typical, um, you know, return specialist type of guy who can also make some things happen on offense. But, I mean, he's built to, to take contact, and I think he's going to be ready for that. Um, you know, obviously playing with Aaron Rodgers makes the adjustment so much easier. It's just going to be a matter of whether it's him or Jeff Janis that ends up kind of, you know, they're not going to step in directly for, yeah. for Jordy Nelson, but which one is going to enter the rotation as everybody kind of moves up? Well, I mean, I think right now Montgomery is, is already penciled in as the number three guy. I mean, Jeff Janis, um, like his measurables in terms of height and weight, he's, he's more, he more resembles, uh, Nelson cause he's six, three and they're, they're, you know, both well over 200 pounds there. But obviously, um, he's, he doesn't have the uh, 
He's kind of like Jordy Nelson, uh, minus uh, a lot of the skills. But you know, he's uh, you know, he's he's probably number four. Aberderis, I don't think is ready to step up, and 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 the guys beyond them on the depth chart, nothing really there to get too excited about. And I, you know, the the Packers historically have not gone out and you know picked up veteran castoffs from other teams. Uh, they're there was a stat the other day about how few players um, that are on their, their current roster actually have played in an actual NFL game with another team. So I think they're going to stick with Montgomery as the more more of an upside guy. Janice is kind of the number four guy. But again, in that offense, there's value to being the number three receiver, you know, to a certain degree. And then if you, you know, by injury or whatever, can ascend to number two, then suddenly you're, you know, fantasy star. I mean, Devontae Adams, uh, there was eye rolls in some of the drafts that I was in when he was selected before clear-cut starters. Uh, and now those those guys that drafted him are very happy because uh, while he can't ne- necessarily be penciled in to re- replicate uh, Jordy Nelson's uh, huge season last year, it's a great opportunity for him. If you're out for the evening and have been drinking, get a ride, call a cab, find other safe ways to get home. Because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine. You could face legal fees, court costs, the loss of your license, and much more. Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Mike, it is now time for our safe sleeper pick, sponsored by Get Sober or Pulled Over. A handful of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts, as I'm sure you know. Uh, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or worse decisions, like getting behind the wheel afterwards. So today's safe sleeper pick is? Well, I mean, um, we've talked a little bit about Doug Martin, but uh, it just gets better, you know, by, by the week. Um, in, in the last, the Bucks' last preseason game, six carries for 59 yards. Just, just looked good, sharp, quick. And, uh, I mean, he's listed as 223 pounds on the uh, Buccaneers' official website. But uh, a report today uh, was saying that he's he's back down to between 205 and 208 pounds. Um, previous years he'd played around the 215 pound level, and it's it's not always about weight. And you know you can't blame his you know last couple of years on on, on that necessarily. But he just looks good, healthy, strong, and quick. And I do think he's a he's a great bounce back candidate this year. I mean, there was uh, definitely some excitement over Charles Sims, who I do think is going to have a role, you know, in the passing game uh, more than anything with the Bucks. But Doug Martin, he's starting to look, uh, you know, more like the rookie version of himself. And, um, yeah, he's a nice value where, where I've seen him drafted in, of late. I think that would be great for salvaging the value of the 2013 Rotowire magazine cover, too, which happened to feature Doug Martin. <laughs> All right, um... I don't, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I think I think I'm good here. Yeah, not, not unless really. you want to touch on uh, Russell Wilson blaming his recovery water for healing his head injury during yeah, the NFC I, I Championship I, last I, night. Did I you come really, across that story? Didn't today? really hear about that, but uh, I do have a draft that starts in 22 minutes, so uh, it's probably time. So to, we should probably wrap this up then. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening to the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. Also, be sure, of course, to check out ROTOWIRE. You can get 10 days of access to ROTOWIRE free by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Thanks again for listening. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always by Mike Doria. We'll be back on Wednesday. All right. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you next week.